Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Fuck, I Forgot to Save. I'm Nack, your host. It is March 2021, and I've got some friends with me to talk about some video games today. Gus, how are you doing? Doing good, Nack. Thank you for having me. Daniel K. Goku in the house. What's up, Daniel? Pretty good. Sitting in a closet recording the podcast. <laughs> it sounds like it. Cool. Sorry, I sound weird. It's okay. And we've got our first ever special guest. Eric is joining us. Eric, what's up? How's it going, dude? Doing great. Thanks for having me, man. Cool. All right. Well, um, it's been about a month since our last episode. And wouldn't you know it, some stuff happened. Some news in the gaming world. Some issues that we're going to talk about. But uh, first, I want to know, Eric, we'll start with you. What have you been playing? What have you been up to for the past month? For the past month, I got, I, 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 I hopped on the stupid Fortnite train and made it to 100 and then You quit. hopped on that train, and huh? I'm not touching it anymore. The regular Fortnite train? The regular, well, it was actually a good season. They had a lot of cool characters out this season. They had, like, I got, I got a Predator... I got the T eight hundred. I got Ryu and Chun Li. Ryu and Chun Li, uh huh. Uh, Master Chief. There's a bunch of other ones that I didn't get. Blade. I wanted to get Blade and Captain Wait, you Marvel. can play as Master Chief in Fortnite? Yeah, and ride a little yeah. warthog. It's awesome. <laughs> oh wow! It's 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 like it's a really. Character? Does he play like a Halo character? Or is it just a? Skin? He plays like a Fortnite character. It's just a skin. Okay. Yeah. This, so I, I is mean, this? Sorry, is this your first time playing Fortnite, or did had you played it's, it before this? I'd played it before. This was my first time going hard into it. I got to level 100 and then quit after that. Okay. This what was my first that? time what, trying to do that. Huh? Getting to level 100, is that just, that's just like it's your... It's like each battle pass each season. Okay. Uh, yeah. For each level, you get different items. You get coins, or you get stickers, or you get skins and stuff. So it's just a measure of how much you've played the game, not necessarily like a ranking... Yeah, like, it's based on you, XP. You don't go and, down. Yeah, okay. And you get more XP by completing specific challenges. And the challenges cool. change daily and weekly. So that's cool. I think the important question, though, is Eric, how much money have you spent so far? <laughs> yeah, <be> right? <laughs> uh, probably about in total for this season, probably about between 30 and 40 bucks. Okay. Okay. That's pretty much that's not bad. And how much money yeah. have you made? Oh no! Have you <laughs> have you sold okay. any NFTs via via Fortnite? So you're, yeah, your your career is not taking off. You're not a pro Fortnite player. My yet. Twitter channel is now still at zero five. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. uh, that's cool. So tell us about I, it. Like, Twitch, sorry, that's what I meant. I meant what? Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, what? do you what is your like play style in Fortnite? are you do you get super like gonna win every time quote unquote sweaty or are you just kind of in there shooting dudes having fun um more the second one it varies it depends um because you can land in an area where there's a lot of people or where there's nobody 
or where you're too far from the circle, then you immediately die before you kind of get anywhere. Yeah. Because you can just get lost in the storm and you're not paying attention and just looting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I, for the most part, play pretty conservatively, I guess. Like, if I try to avoid fights and, and I play pretty stealthily. I crawl everywhere or uh, uh, crouch everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You don't go uh, on building? No, I don't build a lot. When I'm actually okay. in firefights, I guess I play a lot like how we used to play in Halo and stuff. I play, like, you know, try to get good cover and then get the angle or get, get the, uh, if I'm playing duos with Steve, we'll, we'll, we'll pierce, do the piercer move on everybody pretty much. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll flank him. One of us will flank him. How, how many fights have you won? I actually got a chick, a winner chicken dinner recently. Uh, like, Two, like two weeks ago. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, I believe that's, that, a, I believe no that's a PUBG term. PUBG. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You're yeah, right. Trademark. Um, well, I, that's a they're, they're very, I get they're a very bunch. sensitive player unknown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, I didn't know. No, that was a party foul. Uh, I, uh, above 10th place is a good day, and we've had pretty good days pretty consistently for this nice. previous season. Yeah. So we did pretty good. Cool, I man. Think all that Halo experience translated over pretty well. <laughs> cool, that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, what are you playing on PC or what console? PS4. Or if it's a console, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, cool. What else? Just started on that Monster Hunter Rise. Oh my God! Unless you want to cool. get into that later. <laughs> Monster Hunter. Yeah, maybe we'll um, tutorial. <laughs> Oh, okay. Think, no, the other thing. Yeah, go ahead. I think right. Gus. I think Gus wanted to bring that up with you here in a little bit. So maybe we'll we'll get we'll get to that here in a little bit. Right. Uh, my coworkers are really big into Apex right now, so I've been playing that too. Not paying for the battle pass there, just doing it just socially, just to have fun with the guys from work, pretty much. So, which one do you like more um, in the battle of battle royales, Apex or actually, mm, they each have their things. Uh, I do like the the overall feel of Apex better as as like the the fluidity of the the character and the the fighting. Yeah, sliding around more like, and yeah, the sliding around and all that, the climbing is it feels like a, a Titanfall. Yeah, yeah, it's based on the same engine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's I think in, so. it's, it's it, it it takes place in the same universe as Titanfall. Oh, I didn't know that. That's badass. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, there you go. That's why I like it. Oh, and FF7 Remake. I started getting hard into that, too, a little bit. I'm not that far, though. Your first time through? I think that was Knack's Game of the Year. FF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, My first true. time through FF7 Remake, yeah, but I, I beat the original FF7. Right, sure. Hmm? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Remake. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know yet. We'll see how it goes. I like... I like Let's see what what do I not like? I guess. I mean, obviously the combat is is completely different. So, what are yeah. your thoughts on on I, the actually combat do like system? It. I do like the yeah. combat system. I, yeah, uh, I did too. I did I, like the. Combat. There are times where you kind of get stuck and just every everything hitting you, and it kind of doesn't seem, or like you get canceled out really easily. Yeah. So I found that you. Connors. The game you know? doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The game doesn't uh, highlight how important defense is. 
Like it seems yes, like it kind of glosses over true. that, and you really have to be either dodging, mashing that R one consistently, button. or or just blocking everything coming in, yeah, and building meter as you uh, as you guard attacks. Um, yeah, I guess in that sense, I do tend to like uh, I play in the monster hunter style where I just dodge around till I'm behind the enemy, and then just attack either from the side or behind. Yeah, cool. That's right. Cool, cool. Anything else? That's pretty much it. Cool deal. All right. Well, we'll we're, we're definitely going to come back to you for the Monster Hunter stuff. Um, Daniel, why don't you go ahead and walk us sure. through what you've been playing? Yeah, so I started playing... I actually bought Dark Souls on my Switch a little while ago, and I was like, well, I have to justify buying this game for like a fourth time, so let me boot it up. And I booted it up, and I realized, like, I, I love the, like story and the just the feeling of dark like, souls like the mood it's like the... you're you're it's just this dead world this absolutely dead totally well realized world but like way in the future when everything is just gone and and just nothing is around right and you just play this dude who wakes up in a jail cell and his door opens and that's it and then you're starting off and and you know the, the it's just a very like well realized world um and after i played it for like an hour what frequently happens is my uh add kicks in and i'm like oh man you know what i need to play is sekiro <laughs> that was like the last big from game and and i kind of missed out on that for whatever reason and everybody you know there were a bunch of debates about it so i went and i just bought the ps4 sekiro game of the year edition um, and I started playing it, and I, you know, I kind of assumed it would be, I maybe I missed out on a lot of the the stuff about it, but I kind of assumed it would be Dark Souls ish, um, and it really wasn't. It was, I mean, the 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 same kind of well realized world, but it was so different because it was like this like shinobi samurai world, and uh, you know, I, I kept it in Japanese with subtitles, so it was just very like, you know, this this ancient world where you're like uh uh this this character who who you know loses his arm early on and has to get it replaced and but it's it's just a very different kind and in your your uh relationship with the world i feel like is is kind of different um you feel a little more powerful you have like this grappling hook arm which like lets you move pretty freely and 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 you know it's just you can be stealthy and sneak up on dudes. And in Dark Souls, I just felt like... I mean, there was an element of stealth where you could, uh, you know, backstab people or whatever. But it, 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 you just felt, like, very powerless in front of this entire world of monsters that was sort of indifferent to you, except occasionally it just tried to kill you when you showed up, right? But... Um, in this, you're, you're only fighting other uh, samurai for the most part. So even when you get to, like, the bigger boss characters, they're just sort of bigger samurai, right? So it's just a very different kind of world. And, I, you know, I, I think I like it. I'm, I feel like I'm not far enough. I don't know if you... Uh, Mac, I would love to hear your thoughts on it, because we've talked about it before, but, you know, I had never played it before or, or really even, like, watched a lot of it being played. So it's a very different kind of game and i would like to hear your thoughts on the like comparison between uh the types of games yeah i mean even even something like bloodborne it's had that same kind of like you're kind of like this dude in this world that seems bigger than big you know like this world that's like just out to destroy you and yeah you're just kind of like eking your way through it you know whereas in Sekiro, i feel like 
for the most part, I mean, I can get through the world fairly easily. It's not really until, like, the boss characters that I kind of hit a wall. Um, but it's just so different. In Dark Souls, I felt like each room I was like, okay, can I survive in this room? Like, is something going to pop out and get me? Whereas Sekiro, I'm, like, swinging around. Like, okay, what's going on over here? You know, like, it, it's just very different. Yeah. Um, yeah, th I think Sekiro is definitely uh, among the soulsborn games that from has done uh sekiro is definitely the one that kind of stands out at least or i shouldn't say stands out not a value judgment but it uh is very different from all those other games from the dark souls and bloodborne and i've been playing i'll talk about demon souls here in a little bit on ps5 but the thing so there are two things i think about sekiro that um if you come to it from having loved the souls games it's it you might have to adjust to what sekiro does differently the two things i think that it does differently are a lot of it takes place outside and a big part of the souls and bloodborne gameplay style especially with the exploration is kind of like crawling through dungeons and tunnels and narrow corridors Whereas in Sekiro, I can think of points in that game where you're literally just bouncing from rooftop to rooftop, looking down at the environment, scouting out the area, almost like a, like a Far Cry kind of thing. You're scouting it out, kind of plotting your route through, um, figuring out what characters you're, you need, what enemies you need to take down first, um, you know, um that kind of it's it's that kind of uh gameplay of calculation more so than caution um and then the second thing is the, the combat system itself is just so different because you can interrupt your own attacks to do a parry um so in in soulsborne games once you, you, I mean, you commit to that attack. Once you pull that trigger, you're swinging that fucking sword, right? Uh, and nothing can stop. It does feel much. It does feel much freer in that regard. Yeah, like, you don't have stamina. You know, you can just kind of run in, s smack away, roll out, run in, smack away, like kick the person. Yeah. Um, you're limited by your stance, which is very painful if you lose it. Yes. Uh, but it's kind of ha almost hard to lose it, except when. You know, you're at these boss characters and yeah. they're just pounding away at you. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's the that's that's the main kind of give and take is that yes, there's no stamina meter, so you're freer to use your your stronger attacks and just kind of swing away. But yes, you as you guard attacks without parrying them, your it is it's called the stance meter. It's that it's like a yellow bar, right? That goes down. Okay. I don't know what it what it's, it's called like, exactly. It basically, yeah, I think it's, it's your, like a measure of your either, defensive potential. Right. And as you guard attacks, it it diminishes. Uh, and then when it's fully depleted, you are guard broken. And then yeah, at that point, it's you you, you probably die because damage that you do take in that game is such heavy damage. Um. So yeah, it's it's a different gameplay style. It's a totally different. It's a, you're right. It's a different world. It's a different tone. Um, 
and while there are similarities definitely um it's i think yeah it's it's its own thing which is is part of what i loved about it and i think it is so far it's my favorite from game i i need to i've only ever played dark souls one and uh i'm playing demon souls the remake right now like i said so that might change um but yeah I, i like sekiro um but anyway yeah I have a question. Um, as somebody that doesn't really, uh, I've tried a couple of the Dark Souls games and I never really got into them as much. And I skipped Bloodborne and I skipped Sekiro. Um, these games have a reputation of being, and we're, we're going to talk about another game that has a reputation of being not necessarily very accessible, or it takes some time to to get into it. Um, have these games shown? any progress like from demon souls to sekiro in terms of uh being easier to understand or or just quicker to for a gamer to grasp or are the developers from software pretty stubborn on the fact that no these these are just the way these games are and if you really want to learn it you really got to dedicate yourself i think that's their brand like I, i really think that's part of how it's part of the identity that they set for their games um maybe i think sekiro maybe in a in some ways does a little bit of a better job uh explaining like that like there's like in a dark souls game there are items that you will pick up that you just have no idea what they're for and you can use them kind like quote unquote the wrong way and then they're just gone so they they might provide like a a bonus early on but if you had saved that item and given it to an npc later in the game you get more for it and they're like the game does nothing you just have to know that. like you just have to either have been told that read it online or played through the game in order to have that information um sekiro i think does a little bit better of a job of of kind of conveying stuff like that to the player and i think they haven't done anything since sekiro right demon souls that's the last like like yeah. the demon souls is is a remake so that's but that's blue point they i mean i don't think from had anything to do with the demon souls remake yeah they did it um i mean elden ring is the next yeah. one and who knows when that's coming so yeah i i'd say that sounds more what is that more like uh, that sounds more like a dark souls or a uh bloodborne yeah than uh if if i mean if so knowing, it's interesting that they kind of took it in this direction yeah if knowing that i mean and I, it it, feel, it feels like it's almost a sorry I didn't okay. mean to interrupt you but it just feels like it's almost it's almost like unfair to this game for me to come in with it like oh I just played Dark Souls let me go play this game because I feel like I would be reacting to it very differently if it was just like a random game that people are like oh this game is great versus like oh this is a Soulsborne game. yeah it's definitely its own thing I think the the biggest criticism and I never completed Sekiro I got I I. I'd assume based on the time that I've put into it that I'm about halfway done. I'd have to go like take a look at that. But, um, and that was when it came out. Um, The main criticism that I heard surrounding the game was that the, that, that combat that you get used to in the first few hours of the game, that's basically it Um, throughout the rest of the game. It doesn't do much to expand on that. You get new abilities and, um, you get power-ups and all that, but the the overall loop of attack, attack, attack. Oh, here comes here comes an enemy attack. Better parry it with the correct timing. That doesn't change. So, which you know, whatever. I to me, as someone who has put 
hours into the same very basic but enjoyable gameplay loops in the past like that's that's not something that i think is a big deal but but maybe other people might find that as a, a reason to step away from it but i don't know I, I i like sekiro a lot yeah definitely not it doesn't like every from moment to moment it does not feel as satisfying as a souls game and like oh i just got through those enemies that was tough but when you do hit those like tough characters and you have to kind of plot your way around it and and you know the stealth is a much more integral part of the game and and i find that you can like sneak behind most of the big characters and do like a, a stealth yeah. attack that will knock out their um like you know they have multiple health bars you know, right so you can you can yeah health bars basically and you can knock one of those out by doing a stealth attack but you know i kind of just picked that up from the game i didn't i mean sort of naturally just bashing my head against it you yeah know? Um, and that's very satisfying in its own way. So I definitely want to play more of it, but I feel like I kind of have to get my head around that this isn't a Souls game, you know? Yeah. Uh, it It's just very different. Other than some of those sort of basic trappings, like, oh, there's kind of a bonfire equivalent. There's kind of a, uh, you know, a re rechargeable health thing. Um, it's it's just different like the fighting style the way you approach the enemies is just totally different yeah but it, enjoyable in its own right yeah um the other game i'm playing is oh sorry good no no keep going i was gonna say the other game i'm playing is loop hero uh which is addicting as hell i was actually kind of annoyed because um, apparently doesn't run on the new M1 Max <laughs> um, natively, so I have to like uh, stream it from my PC to play it. Uh, there needs to be a Switch version of this game, like I, I, immediately. Like this game is awesome, yeah. and it's like super addicting, and it's like stacks. It's like starts super simply, and Nack, you talked about it on I think the last episode, but it like it starts out very simply, but the mechanics are. Uh, just very uh stack like and become like increasingly more complex but it kind of sneaks up on you <laughs> how complicated and complex and how overlapping they can get with like the the ways the decks build and, yeah and the way you you arm your character and i don't know i i'm just I, I don't even think i mean maybe maybe i have i haven't even reached the first boss of the of the first loop so i don't know how you know, ha have I even scratched the surface of this game? I can't really even tell. I'm not even sure I fully understand all the mechanics of the game. And, um, like, I, I can't tell. Do you, is there, like, I mean, the reason to keep putting enemies, like, different, stronger enemies on the field is to build up your arsenal, right? And your deck, Yeah. right? So, yeah. The or or can, can you just leave all the high-level enemies off the field and get to the boss that way. I can't... I, I've never really tried that before. So the way that you get to the boss is by placing tiles. So the more tiles that you place, the closer that... Uh, by placing tiles, you fill up that, that meter that once you fill it up all the way, the next time you get to the campfire, you fight the boss. Um, the... The drawback so so you want to be placing tiles you want to be fighting monsters because by fighting monsters you generate better cards and equipment 
And if you fill up the tiles with just the cards that give you good stuff, like meadows and all that stuff, um, and mountains, yeah. I mean, mountains eventually start spawning monsters, but... Um, oh, they do? <laughs> I don't think I realized that. <laughs> yeah, so if you if you put a, a three-by-three, three, like nine mountain tiles in a square, uh, it forms a big mountain. Oh, yeah, I have done that, yeah. And then I think it's harpies. Harpies will come from that mountain like every two days, I think. Um, oh, okay. So, but I mean, you know, it's... Um, so it that is the balance of the game. I mean, that is that is the game is managing that balance between how many enemies am I gonna how how difficult am I making this for myself to make it back to the campfire each loop, and the balance between having enough enemies to fight so that you have good gear for the final battle, and not and but not putting so many enemies that you end up wearing down your hp it's like it's it's totally a war of attrition like very rarely do you go from full health to zero health in one battle that just doesn't happen in the game but over the course of the loop you may lose so much health that by the time you get to the final campfire battle with the boss you're sitting on like 20 hit points or whatever and there's just no hope for it so it's managing that uh give and take that is like the core of, of well, what I do. I have potions now, so I'm pretty sure I solved that problem. Already. Oh, yeah? So, That's what you think? Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> In a month, you can let us know how that goes. It's a very it's a very addicting game, and it is the kind of game, I don't know, maybe I'm not playing it as sort of at the high level I should be, but it's the kind of game I can kind of zone out and play too, and just like, okay, I'm just stacking this, and I'm going through, and I don't know. I have it open, yeah. And the little auto-battling is... It's, it's a game fun. that you can have open while you're like watching a video. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I, I hesitate to call it an idle game. It's not quite that hands off, but um, it's 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 simple enough. And and there's a setting, too, where you can have the game auto pause after each battle. So you can kind of let it sit and it'll wait for you to, to start your character walking around again. So you can finish a battle. It will pause. And then you can equip all the stuff that you gained in that battle and then start it up again. Yeah. So would you guys say that this is a game that you in order to get it, you really have to play it? Um yes. because this game when, I didn't understand when it, you mentioned it last described it. Yeah. Yeah, when when Nack described it last uh, last month, that's the first time I've ever heard of of this game, um, and since then I think it's kind of blown up. I've I've seen a lot of coverage on this game, a lot of uh, really um, positive reviews. Uh, so I've been trying to learn a little bit more about it. Um, I was listening to another gaming podcast, uh, the Giant Beast Cast, and one of the members was describing the game, and the host was like. Are video games becoming harder to describe? And, and like, I really felt that because when you were describing that last time, I was like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Like, and not because you were describing it poorly; it's just because I, I feel like this game, in order to really get it, you need to just sit down and start playing it. Yeah, it's it is it's it it combines a lot of ideas. It it takes a lot from different genres. There's like a a dash of card, you know, uh, card battle. Uh, deck building is the word i'm looking for there's like a little bit of tower defense like but but also kind of not i don't know it's it is weird 
it is weird there it's like almost like a city builder in some aspects um i've heard it i think on that same podcast i listened to it as well one of the members uh mentioned like the sim city aspect which i haven't hadn't even made that connection but yeah like a lot of the, the you have to be careful about how you place the cards down on the grid the tiles down on the grid um because you can i mean you can really screw yourself over um if you're if you're not careful so yeah it takes a lot of different influence it takes a lot of different ideas and and is and in a way that is definitely i, I don't think there's ever been a game that does what loop hero does um I, I love this game too. I'm curious, Dan. Um, do you? So you you have not even faced the the first boss yet. I have right? not. No. I think you should just get there and see what happens because when I I beat the boss, the first boss on my second try. The first try, I just I didn't even bother trying to equip anything good, and I got destroyed. The second time. I did not expect to destroy him as much as I did. So okay. just give it a shot and see how, see how it goes. It's, it's Yeah, I, I guess I'm playing really conservatively because I bounce out of there before I even get, you know, I get like close to dying and then I'm like, all right, peace out, people. So that's, yeah, that's the other aspect of the game is knowing when it's like, when you have to just bail and the game gives you, the game does a really, really good job of incentivizing getting out at, at different times and how the risk-reward factors into that. So if you make it back to the campfire, you can, you can bounce out and keep 100% of the resources that you gained. If you are in the middle of a loop and you want to bounce out, you can, but you only keep 60%. And if you really push your luck and you die, you'll, you get some of it, but it's only 30% of the resources. So if you get to that campfire and you're at full health, but you realize that like everything is going to spawn this loop, sometimes it's just like, well, even though it feels like a safe, like I'm, I'm at full health, I, like sometimes in that situation, I still just, I'm like, you know, forget it. I don't want to risk it. Because in the course, over the course of one loop, it is very common, especially as you get into the later stages of a, of a run, it's very common for you to just run into that one battle that knocks out a good 25, 30% of your health. And then from there, it starts getting very scary. And so if it means the difference between taking 100% and taking 60% of your resources, it's easy to make the decision to just say, well, hey, let me just get out of here. Maybe I can afford an upgrade when I get back to the camp. To the so, and then there's this other whole layer of you're building a camp, unlocking out. the upgrades. Yeah, but I, so one of the questions I have, and one of the reasons maybe I'm not making progress as quickly as you is, I think I don't really quite understand the best way to sort of build up resources. And so that I've been bouncing out like, oh, I feel like I built up a bunch of resources that time and I get back to the camp and I can't build anything. And I'm like, what? That's weird. And I guess I have to maybe pay more, pay close attention to what resources each of the tiles gives you. Because sometimes I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm in there for a while. I feel like I'm taking plenty of loops and I feel like I'm getting plenty of stuff. 
and then I go back to camp and I can't build anything new. So maybe I have to be a little more cognizant of that. I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe I'm just not good at the game. <laughs> I just need to well, work on so being better. I struggled with that too at first. I think that part of the game could be improved a little bit. It's just that it just the game requires maybe a little too many resources to that next upgrade for my taste. Like for a game that you are going through these runs over and over and over, it would be nice if there was at least a little something that you could do every time you get back to the campsite. Especially if you're taking back 100% of your resources, you know, like if you play a pretty good run, there should be something for you when you get back. And that, in that sense, it's kind of like, it's, I mean, it is a roguelike, right? Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, what a, it's, it is really hard to describe. It, it's de <laughs> it definitely feels like a roguelike because there's runs. It's just a different type. Of, yeah, it's just it a is. different type of roguelike. It feels a little bit. Yeah. This is kind of weird, but did you ever play that? Um, what was that? It was a terribly named game. I think it was just called One Hundred Thousand or One Hundred Million or something like that. And it was basically a match puzzle game, but it you were also like an, a like a little character running through a hallway on top of that. And so when you matched like three keys up you would get a key to unlock chests and you would match uh it it, it reminds me kind of like that because you have this kind of like that's cool yeah it is it's a very fun game um uh there's a sequel called we have to build a boat which is very fun also oh yeah, yeah okay okay yeah. Uh, i'm sorry i can't remember the it, it's a terribly named game it's like 100,000 or 100 million or something like that it's like the score you have to get to beat the game which is yeah clever but then it's hard to remember what the actual game is called but uh, it reminds me of kind of like that, which is like this, there's this kind of RPG playing out, but you're kind of playing a slightly different game. <laughs> you're not playing the RPG per se. You're playing this like meta game that's that's fueling the RPG, but isn't necessarily part of it. I don't know. It's it's a lot of fun. And I, you know, I can't, I, I think I'm going to be playing it for a while, like dipping into it and, and dipping out and, and just kind of, you know, letting it go from there. But yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. Cool. Um, all right, cool. Well, Gus, you're up. Uh, I guess before we get into the Monster Hunter stuff, why don't you go ahead and give us a Xbox wireless headset mini review? Yeah. Um, so I've been in um, the market for a wireless uh, headset, mainly uh, for gaming, mainly to pair with my Xbox Series X. Um, I was pretty close to pulling the trigger on the Art Arctic, I believe, Arctic Steel Series uh, 7, which is $150. And I even flirted with the idea of getting the um, the Steel Series 9, uh, which is $200, and it's basically their premium headset. Um, and then I was just on Twitter and I saw that Microsoft announced their own first party Xbox wireless headset. This was last month in February. And I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to get it. It's $99. I pre-ordered it pretty much on the spot. Um, I was pretty worried because, uh, you know, there were no reviews. This was this was a pre-order. Uh, it's $99, uh, which is a very attractive price point compared to $150 and $200. But I was like, oh, man, is it, is it going to sound pretty shitty like is, is did they compromise on the audio quality is it going to sound muddy um and thankfully uh i've been pretty happy with with this i, I think for 99 it's it's an extremely great value 
the audio quality from the get-go you probably need, do need to adjust it if you're if you're not a big fan of big bass because it's heavy on the bass and there's even, even like a mode where it's like oh you can turn up the bass even more and it's like why do you need to do that it's already pretty uh pretty strong in that aspect so i actually toned it down i played with the eq settings which it does have um built in um well it, you can actually mess with the eq settings on the xbox series x itself in the settings app which is a nice little feature you don't have to plug it into your pc to do that um it's pretty bare bones but i think for most people it'll get the job done um i've been using um it supports dolby atmos surround sound so i've, I've been using that the caveat there is that it's only it's free until September the 30th, I believe. And then after that, if you want to, if you will still want that support, you have to pay $15 and then you get it forever. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. Are that's you the, fucking kidding me. Yeah. For the Dolby Atmos, it's, it's like not free off the bat. It does support others. Like they have like the Windows Sonic, which is like Microsoft's um, huh. surround sound technology. Okay. Um, I haven't tried that yet. Uh, but yeah, for the Dolby Atmos, it's, it's pretty pretty dude, shitty that you actually have dude, to pay to, to get a little bit more i mean maybe there's something i'm missing maybe this is industry standard at this point but my gut reaction to that is what the fuck that is crazy anyway yeah and there's another one i think an, an, another option like dts sound or something like yeah. that so there's several i mean it, it, it does that at the very least give you options so you don't have to buy into it if, if you don't yeah. need the adobe Atmos. so and it sounds fine without it but i did turn it on and i was like oh actually this is this is a significant improvement i've been i've been using it uh while playing control which is um a very good game to kind of test out a good a good headset um and yeah, it's it's been handling it just fine. Um, I'll, I'll have it right here. I'll show it to you. I know this is an audio podcast, but just for you guys to visualize it. Um, what I really like about it is that it um, the headphones like on the dials, you can you can actually move uh, move it up and down, and that controls the volume. So it's not actual buttons. Um, it's it's just a dial on on the side of your headphones that you can turn up and down. Um, so it's very easy to to control that. And then on the other side, it's the same thing, but you control the um, uh, whether you want more uh, chat or you want more gaming uh, volume. Oh, hey, that's so, cool. So yeah, it's that's cool to have that right on a physical dial instead of having to go into a menu to control that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super convenient. Um, it does have a boom mic. Um, the the uh, disappointing part is that it's not retractable like the series, uh, the Steel series. So you can kind of tuck it in and hide it. Uh, and then you can kind of just move it out if, if you want it closer to your mouth. So, I mean, it's not a big deal if, if you're if you're not ever planning on taking these out and about. Uh, if you're just going to use it at home, I mean, it's it's not really a big deal. It pairs super easily to to the Xbox. Um, and in fact, when you turn it on, uh, it'll actually turn on the Xbox too. Hey, um, that's cool. So, yeah, like I, that's really the killer. I mean, and, and that's kind of was my gut feeling when it came out it's like well it's microsoft it's their xbox uh, uh headset it's gonna it's gonna be really easy to to pair it with with the actual series x and yeah that's been the case and 99 dollars, i mean uh, for people that um either you know 150 dollars 200 is like a big investment or maybe you already have a good pair of audio headphones and you don't want to splurge just for for a gaming headphone this is a really good solution also another neat thing that i want to talk about is that you can pair it to the xbox 
uh, console and to a phone or to a PC at the same time. So you can actually switch between the two or like if you're playing a game and you get a call, you can answer the call Man, and it'll, it'll pair. You're kind of selling me on that shit now. At first I was like, $15 for Atmos, motherfuckers. But now I'm like, oh, damn, you can turn a little knob on the side? Yeah. yeah. Damn. It, Big, use my, on my PC Microsoft and my phone? Wins again. Yeah. That's not, I mean, not, yeah, nine, I, I, $99 is pretty good. So this is a response to the uh, PlayStation. Um, the Pulse. It called? It's like, called the Pulse the headset. Pulse. Yeah. So um, I obviously I don't have a PlayStation 5, so I've never tried that. I can't speak to its quality. But it does have, what I do know is that it does have some features that that does not have. So the, the Pulse does not have a boom mic. Uh, and the Pulse, does. Uh, you're not able to pair it to two devices at the same time. So mm. it really seems like Microsoft uh, put a lot of attention to detail and Again, it's it's a really strong value. I've been pretty pretty damn happy with it. Cool, awesome. Um, now, the other thing that I want to talk about is not a game that I played yet, but I actually wanted to bring it up because I'm scared, guys. <laughs> I I bought Monster Hunter Rise. I've never played a Monster Hunter before in my life. I am well aware of the reputation th this series has of how obtuse it is and how hard it is to actually uh, learn the the loop, learn learn you know how to master a weapon, learn how to go on proper hunts. Uh, I've always just felt like I, I don't have the time for this. I've heard great things about World. I never played it, even though it's available on Game Pass and I could play it anytime I want. And then I've heard great things about Rise. So I decided to pull the trigger, but I haven't started it. But thankfully, we have a Monster Hunter expert here, uh, Eric. You you say you're a veteran. You say that you've been, you've been a big fan of this series for a long time. So teach me how, as a first-time player, what's the best way I can get into this game? Uh, well, it, it, I will say this. The learning curve is not as steep as Dota. <laughs> Just... <laughs> so Cool. <laughs> so not completely impenetrable. So if that gives you any kind of comfort at all, <laughs> you're not completely fucked. But um, it is that's like a, yeah, that's that's a horrible <laughs> comparison. We yeah. are off to a really rocky start here. This is like it could be worse. You could um, be dead. Type of scenario yeah. that you just gave me. <laughs> which makes me, which always makes me think that these are all these games are all just a advanced version of stockholm syndrome you like finally break through and you're like oh my god this game is so fun just because it becomes like yeah. every other game i don't know you get through all i mean the worst part about it is the tutorials really it's really about the the cycle is you 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 hunt to gather materials to build whatever it is that you want to make like your sword or your armor or whatever so that you're stronger to hunt more stuff to get more materials to get the even cooler armor that's basically the cycle in a nutshell. But there's a lot of other things that you kind of uh, maintain or fun little games that you do on the side that give you extra little things that help you out with all that. So what I've heard um, in terms of going into this game is that it's very important for you to find out what kind of weapon style you you want to you want to go with because they it's it's like a fighting game where depending on what style you choose you're almost playing a completely different game yes um you know in, in terms of like in a fighting like smash for instance depending on what character you choose it can, it can be a completely different game depending on the way you play it so it's kind of like very important to kind of find what what you really like and to try all the weapons so would you recommend 
especially at first yes so would you recommend doing that like completely solo like no online play or or do you do you recommend trying it online this game is best played online with people because you can see what they're doing you know what i mean you can get an idea okay this is what he's kind of moves lists moves he's doing with because you basically only have three attack buttons it's triangle circle or i guess it's going to be like y and a and r2 or zr in this case if, if it's rise those are the three attack buttons and the the difference between the weapons is what the character actually physically does and then that way each weapon plays differently so like there's uh there's ranged weapons like the bow like for example one of the buttons will shoot a bow into the air and then the bow will ex- the the arrow will explode and drop like mines on on the enemy whereas the bow gun will just shoot heavy heavy rounds straight into the enemy or do like a charged shot that's cool can so i he, pop in with that go ahead uh, let me just ask a quick question so one thing that i've because i know that there are different weapons and that affects your play style and how you approach the battles based uh-huh. on the weapon that you pick are all of the weapons based on dealing damage in different ways or are is it more of like an overwatch situation where sometimes you'll pick a weapon that is based more like are you picking a class kind of based on the weapon like is there a shield weapon maybe that like you, you i see what you like mean. heal are there tankier like, tankier yeah, uh, uh-huh. wep- like do yeah. some weapons make you tankier sort of i'm not i'm not sh- i don't remember i do think that uh different weapons do give you different stats when you have them equipped I do think that. I think okay. that is something. Okay. I think that's a thing. But as far as like the some of the more grounded that... weapons that you can't evade as well with that aren't as like the da- like as like the daggers like, really nimbly. fast you can run around. Yeah. Those do give you a defense boost, I believe. I think I read that somewhere. Okay. But I haven't confirmed it for myself. But in terms of um, like providing bonuses for your teammates, is there any of that as well like Well, like for example, my my favorite weapon is the insect glaive. And the, the advantage to that is I can mount the creature to take it down so that everybody can attack it. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's what my job is. That's in this so one? In that or, way, or that's in, a support um, role. That's in Monster in Hunter Rise? Oh, okay. In okay. both of them, yeah. I mean, more so in World, because Rise uh, does give you the new little worm thing. It's basically like a claw shot thing. Yeah. Um, cool. There's like a silkworm that you can like shoot out and swing around. And that's that's another big thing that they changed on this one is the traversal is very different. You can climb up mountains and climb over them now that you have the worm. Yeah, it's and, more vertical from from what I can tell. And yeah, you can go kind of get me to some... the to the to the monster instead of having to go through these like paths there. Yeah, yeah, it even gave me like a little bit of a Breath of the Wild vibe of like that kind of it, yeah. just the verticality. <laughs> you can get to higher places and. And kind of play around with the environment a little bit more. So that's that's what really got me interested in the game. Um, when did you get into Monster Hunter, Eric? Like, what what version, or what was it? Like a couple of years ago, or was it recent? Actually, it was just World. I did, I wasn't really. I mean, I tried. Was it three or generations on 3ds? Like the demo, but I didn't really get into it. I didn't buy the game. the The game that I got really into was World. Um, and I got to like level ninety four or something, but there's people out, you know, out there. It goes up to multiple hundred levels, so you can be like four hundred or nine hundred. Yeah, I mean, world really seemed like the breakthrough for for the series in terms of uh, 
just bringing in a whole new audience and and getting more people involved and it's i i but it still feels like the game still has a long way to go in terms of uh accessibility and and just quality of life i mean Nak, you mentioned that you started it right and you haven't been too fond of, yeah. of the opening so opening look, act i'm a teacher okay i got home yesterday after a friday the first week back from spring break is notoriously the kids are rowdy it was a i was very very tired from this past week so i sat down i was excited to play monster hunter i was excited to hop in and bop some monsters well, let me tell you, I spend about, I, I, I'll admit, part of this time that I'm about to relay to you all is, was spent in the character creator, which is very uh, granular. You've got a lot of control over how your character looks. My girl has super bright purple hair in pigtails, and she's got like a band of just light that comes out of her face. And then two red <laughs> eyes. She's fucking badass. Did you mess with the luminosity? Yes, sir. The luminosity. <laughs> um, so that part was cool. So uh, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I probably put in a good like half hour to 45 minutes yeah, just too, going same. through. And then I realized, dude. So I was like, ah, f- cool. I, I like, I'm like ready to get to work. Finish my character, and then it's like, okay, now make your dog. And I was like, motherfucker. All right, <laughs> That's well, right. well, now that I now that I'm in this deep, I better make an exact replica of my actual baby girl, Penny, my dog. So another another probably 15 minutes. All right, cool. We're ready to go. Let's go fucking bop some monsters. Oh, uh, you need to make your cat. Well, fuck. Okay, let me remember what my childhood cat looked like, so I can make an exact replica of him. So I I probably put in a good hour of time just in that character creator between my character, my, what is it? It's Palamute and Palico. Palico. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was, I mean, by that time I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, and I had been having fun. I'm not going to say that like, I I love character creators. I think that the the more granular and weird you can get with that shit is I, I love making a goofy ass looking funny character. Um, I was ready to fight monsters, right? And and sure, I, I understand games have to tutorialize somehow. But I'm telling you, I played for another hour and a half, and I still have not fought a monster. I was and the problem, and I I will even go as far as to say that I I will tolerate text screen tutorials, but the things that they are teaching should be put into practice immediately. Don't unload hours worth of text tutorialization on me. And it's- Nick, if you have to put them into practice, how are you going to write all those notes down? <laughs> how are you going to know yeah, right. everything that you need to know? <laughs> you got to have time. You, you sound like somebody who took a bunch of notes just, in high school. Just hit B. I was not that hit person. Yes. And then it <laughs> yeah. skips through it, and then so you don't I, know what to do. Did you, so the game isn't called Monster Fighter. Did you hunt any <laughs> monsters? <laughs> In the first hour. No. I, I'll tell you what I hunted was the NPCs that I have to talk to to advance to the next tutorial. And like I if Well that that helps prepare you to hunt first, the monster. Yes. Oh, okay. I get it. All Actually, that no is idea. just straight meta. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I, I I'm I may be being a little bit harsh uh, for the bit, but uh, I will say, like, I just wanted to get in there and start fighting. I think, generally speaking, game designers 
need to think about how they onboard the player. Think about how you're going to get the player who has just sat down to play your game, playing your game, and it you don't have to teach them every single thing. Like, it was teaching me how to take pictures with my owl. Like, motherfucker, I... I haven't seen a monster yet. What am I supposed to take a picture of? Like, I don't know. It was just like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to play it. I'm definitely going to play it. I'm excited to get into Monster Hunter. Um, the, the comparisons that a lot of people like Gus have made to Monster Hunter, saying that it is uh, kind of like a fighting game in that respect of choosing your weapon, and it, it provides you with a different, uh, a different way to approach the battles that sounds very very cool to me right up my alley so i'm excited for that and think about think about how much knowledge you're gonna have you're gonna be awesome in your first it fight yeah. all this knowledge that the yeah. game's been giving you yeah <laughs> i i so uh, i okay i have a question then okay Do you think um so all, i think what it might be doing is instead of and maybe it would have been better is if they did all these tutorials in the context of when you need it, right? Exactly. When it happens. Yeah. But then I feel like if they did that, they'd have tutorials like almost a whole game because you wouldn't get to some of them until whenever you got to them, right? But then I guess sure, that, but, that means that you're not experiencing the game. And but so at least maybe you, just, yeah, you're playing the game at that point, yeah, right? Like Because uh, games have done that. There, there have been games that tutorialize different things. They'll introduce a new system halfway through the game. And it does and do that. Some things like at, like when they open up, then you, you okay, you go to the new thing, and there's, oh, okay, here we go, one of those tutorial screens again. Mm-hmm. That does tend to happen in Monster Hunter. Maybe the key is you'll always really enjoy the next Monster Hunter game. <laughs> More? The previous well, game. I, I think that's kind of the thing, right? Like a lot of the fan base of Monster Hunter have been playing these games since the PS2 era. So they have that legacy knowledge and skill. Believe it um, or, yeah, that's very true. I skipped through everything and I knew how to do everything right off the back. Um, Monster Hunter World was worse, actually, at that <laughs> than this yeah. one with all that. I mean, I'll power through. I'll get to it because I can't wait to slice some monsters up. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter has a long legacy, and I think probably Capcom or the developers at Capcom are worried that. Um, you know, players can get lost, but I think there are lessons to be learned that. Uh, some games just over tutorialize um you know i recall skyward sword having that huge problem where it's almost insulting it's almost like hey if you're low on health you should get more health (laughs) type of thing (laughs) like like okay we know the basics you know that you don't have to kind of hold my hand through that uh, it looks like you just got hit by a monster let's talk talk about that what do you what do you what should you do next time is this what you want to do with your life (laughs) But uh, yeah, like Knack, I'm still, I, I again, I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to push through hopefully throughout this week. I think I, I understand that the fun part is playing it online with friends, but I do kind of probably will take some time playing it solo just so I can find out what weapon style I, I'm really into before yes, I try them all out. They're all very, very different. I do recommend um, like either the dagger, one of the more simpler ones that make a lot of sense, like the sword and shield. Um, a lot of people gravitate towards the charge blade, which is basically a sword and shield. The only difference is like attacking charges up either your 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 sword and you can transfer the charge into your shield and you get all kinds of buffs from that. And then you can transfer that back into your sword. And when your sword and shield are both charged, you can do like uh, uh, 
an element discharge basically where you turn you combine them and you turn them into a big axe and you discharge all that charge that sounds fucking no, incredible sounds cool i would shit. for you redneck i would recommend the charge blade i really liked it a lot it's and you can you can block with it too it's cool. got a yeah and when you charge up the shield you basically have like a like a you have a stronger block where you don't like go back as fast like as cool. much or at all there's perfect yeah, guards too I think like Gus, see, yeah, that's the that's the type of stuff that I'm kind of ready for. Is like, yeah, there's the, there's and there's abilities like, that app that activate with perfect guards. Like you you can uh, assign decorations to your weapons or to your armor where you equip them, and it'll have an ability that says when you do a perfect guard, you get plus five defense or uh, defense or attack. Or mm-hmm. And it's kind of like yeah, loot hero. There's a lot of buff that it's just all auto fighting. Once you equip your guy, you just watch him fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait you for just that put your controller down and watch the monsters fight. And then you're back to the text. No. You only ha- you only <laughs> you only have to hold your controller while you're skipping through the tutorial text, screens. Yeah. Conrad, I recommend you pick up the war horn. Oh, <laughs> as your weapon. About that. <laughs> Is that for, are you a, joking? Is that real? No, there's a there's a weapon that's a war horn. I was actually that's actually one of my main ones too. It's a uh, it's a weird one. It's kind of like uh, a combination of a slow-moving heavy weapon with a buff. It bu- you, but uh, for group buffs, because when you play a song, it's a group. It's buff. the bard. Cool. Yeah, exactly, wow. exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have I, my character has a guitar, like a uh, made out of like the Dude. quills of a uh, ice dragon or something like this. <laughs> that is that sounds awesome. Fuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> a guitar Sorry. with the quills of an ice dragon? Yeah, for real. I'm not even joking. It's called a Ligiana. Fine. I'll play the 50-hour tutorial just to get to that. <laughs> Give me that ice dragon. Yeah, yeah Naki, you, I, you I click X on one of your text boxes and you get to the ice dragon murder part. The insect glaive, the one that I use is um, basically like an attack on Titan staff. You like launch yourself up into the air with it, and then somehow it's able. You're able to like fly around and boost yourself and attack in midair. And then cool. If you land the hit, you get like another jump, and you can boost back and attack again. But if you run out of stamina, you fall. But if you have like a good amount of stamina, you're able to balance it. I have another question. I just realized this question that I have because all of these weapons sound fucking rad. Do I have to pick one or can I switch? Can my switch ki- it on the fly. Okay, so one character, I'm not locked into whatever weapon I choose at any point. You're locked into whatever weapons you've crafted because each weapon is crafted cool. from the monsters you've defeated. Okay. They get stronger. And does it take 300 hours to craft each weapon? No, no. Well, cuz each weapon needs like, okay, you need 3 dragon sinews, you need 4 dragon bone, you need, you know. You need usually it's 3 and it's usually a couple of each. Um, and you usually get multiple of those per per whatever boss you defeat, like hunt, monster yeah. you kill, hunt, yeah. So, but but you usually need at least two per weapon for the like initial weapons, and then more for like the later ones and the rare the rare monsters. Cool, I'm excited. I'm, I'm as much shit as I'm giving this game for how it onboards the player. I'm excited to to actually jump into the meat of the game. Oh yeah, dude. There's a lot of tutorials because there's a lot to it, but once you kind of like wrap your head around how it all works, it's really fun. Cool. Anything else, guys? Any questions, Octavia? Yeah. No, that's all I got. Uh, hopefully, next month we can have a conversation of how no- I'm now a seasoned 
Monster Hunter ready. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Or you're about to get through the tutorials. <laughs> I'm finally finished with tutorials. Yeah. And then I decide that I don't like this weapon, and then it's like 30 hours of tutorials for the other weapon. That I <laughs> Sounds fun, though. But that's all I have. Okay. All right. Um. Well, and and no other games, Gus. No, um, that's that's all I've been playing. It's I haven't gamed too much this this month, but uh, looking forward to to a little bit of Monster Hunter. Cool. All right, let's hop into some news. Um, so actually, why don't we have someone else cover? Does anyone want to read through these news headlines? I mean, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go through it. Um, so the first uh, news is it's really so far a rumor, but it's Bloomberg is reporting it. Uh, it looks like this is one of those where there's smoke, there's fire type of thing. Uh, but it's on the new Nintendo Switch upgrade. Uh, the Nintendo Switch is four years old. Um, the only real revision that we've seen during that time uh, is the Nintendo Switch Lite, which came out what, like a year ago, a few years ago. Um, it's a cheaper version. It's a fully portable version. You can't switch. You can't dock it. Um, and it's basically, in terms of the hardware, it's it's exactly the same. It's, it's not any more powerful. Uh, but there's rumors that uh, a new Switch is is on the horizon. Uh, and it's, it's going to have a brand new chip, apparently at least slightly more powerful. Uh, it's going to have an I, I'm not too familiar with this technology uh, but it's called um, DLSS where essentially it's like deep learning uh, let me it's an Nvidia uh, technology um, that is currently available in their uh, their I think 3080s or something one, one of their cards where if your if your hardware is not powerful enough to actually display 4k it'll use ai learning to essentially interpret the image and it'll display it uh with that uh so i guess the idea is that even though the the this new nintendo switch pro or whatever it's called may not be as powerful as like a series x it'll use this technology to input uh, a 4k display when it's docked we're using AI to imagine how it would look better in 4K. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's so that kind of sounds like how TVs will have a higher refresh rate by kind of interlacing the two frames. I mean, I don't I don't know how it's going to work. It sounds sim- like sounds like sounds like wizardry. It might be something like that. Yeah, some some kind of wizardry. I don't know. Cool. That's. I mean, that's. That sounds cool. That's. Yeah. It. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, and in terms of pricing, uh, it's probably going to be more expensive than the current Nintendo Switch. Um, analysts are predicting possibly three hundred and fifty, but it could be upwards to four hundred dollars, three ninety nine. Is the original a- Switch? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. It, sorry if I missed this. Is this a separate SKU or is it going to be a replacement or like an upgrade? I mean, I, I think if there's going to be a, if it's going to have a price increase, then I think it's going to be a separate SKU. Um, and just to, you know, I, I want to kind of, I don't, I'm not sure if this is going to clarify, but I'm just going to read this Polygon article to see if uh, it clarifies the DLSS technology. Uh, but it's learning. NVIDIA's, sorry, yeah, deep, uh, deeper learning super sampling. 
Uh, so it's NVIDIA's technology that uses AI to accelerate graphics rendering through image reconstruction, maintaining high quality while delivering improved frame rates. Um, it allows a video card to render a game at a lower internal resolution, reducing the load on the GPU as it uses NVIDIA's AI algorithm to generate a reconstructed image that looks as good as the game rendered at a native resolution. That is wild. Oh. Why, why aren't we just doing that then? Why bother with these 3080s if we can just, huh, we'll that's just crazy. That's AI cool. AI everything into 4K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from what I know, this is NVIDIA's like proprietary um, patented technology. So, okay. Uh, but NVIDIA, I think it, the Switch uses an NVIDIA chip right now. It's like the same as the I NVIDIA think... Shield or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I, I think, you know, I love my Switch, but it is at this point, it, it was already under power when it came out. Obviously, it's a mobile device, so it's not, you can't compare it one-to-one with with a dock console. But right now, yeah, it, it, it's in dire need of an upgrade four years later. Also, just physically, my Switch is starting to show some signs that it might not be, it might not have all the kick that it had when it when I pulled it out of the box. It's the fans sometimes get really loud and i don't know drift yet it's it's still weird that it's a tablet with a fan (laughs) yeah yeah and i did get i did get drift and i had to buy new joy cons me too yeah um i don't know if this is an unpopular opinion but i doubt they'll do this but if they are if there is a revision coming which it looks like there is i hope it's i hope there's no joy cons i hope it's like a single device just like the switch light that you can just dock and then you can use a, a a pro controller for it that that opinion is unpopular with me motherfucker i, I don't <laughs> the like are the whole... i don't like the joy cons i think they're they're flimsy i think they're i have big hands and i don't i don't really like using i don't even like it when you put it into that little what what do you call it the, the thingy yeah the little the thing, puppy dog the puppy yeah, dog the... like it feels cramped to me i think obviously the pro controller is very expensive but i think it's a must-have like if you really want to take full advantage of your of your switch like you need that controller it's not even like at some point you just need yeah. to get that's where they get you yep i agree i don't know i, I love the joy cons i am a firm believer in joy con technology i think they should add it to other consoles um even if they're not portable I think PCs should have Joy-Cons. Refrigerators should have Joy-Cons. You're you're joking around, but I do, I have heard, and I think you've told me that you do find it more comfortable sometimes to play with the Joy-Cons separated on either side of your body because you don't have to hold your hands up, right? Yeah. I think that a lot of people probably feel that way too. I think that that's the main use case for having them off the Switch itself is... I like to be a spoiled kid sometimes and lay down in my bed. I've got a thing that extends for off my headboard. It's clamped onto my headboard. It's a little attacher, a little little holder. So I can I can be laying down in bed, clip my switch into that thing. It's hanging up in front of my face. And I just have my my Joy-Cons down at my side and I'm just like full on and then a glass zombie case mode. Comes in and just, you. Yeah. And I and I go into prior sleep. I have heard about I have heard about some people with uh disabilities finding it easier to use Joy-Con separated like that too. Well, but yeah. I, I mean that's yeah, the thing though. Like it. it's it's not getting rid of that though. Like you can still buy your Joy-Cons if you want to or you can even just use the Joy-Cons of your old Switch and just pair it to your to your docked Nintendo. So it's that doesn't change. I'm just saying like 
I, I don't like the actual device and those detachable Joy-Cons because I feel like it it actually lowers the hardware quality of the device. Like my Nintendo Switch, it doesn't even one of the Joy-Cons doesn't even lock in anymore. Like it's really easy to just like snap it snap it out. I barely use it in handheld mode, so it's not a huge issue to me. But I, as brilliant as I think the Nintendo Switch, the idea of it is that it's a dock, it's a mobile console that you can also dock. Um, as it stands, as, and I'm talking about the regular Nintendo Switch, I don't think it's a great mobile device. I think it's big, and I think those Joy-Cons are a little bit flimsy. Uh, and the one I have is the original one, and it doesn't have great battery life, so I hope they improve on that. Um, it's a it's a great concept that I think is not 100 uh, percent executed just yet. Hmm. I don't. I, don't I, I think I disagree. I think yeah. I mean, I I, I the Joy Cons are they are flimsy. Um, I wish drift, that they though. just had a better. Yeah, the drift sucks. I I'll fully admit that. Um, and I don't know. I mean. Like on the next one, I hope yeah, so. Like the there pro. was, I mean, they they were. Did anything ever happen with that class action lawsuit? Did I they? Have no idea. Mm, I don't know. I mean, uh, Nintendo did reverse their policy, I believe, where they they, they were going to accept returns on on okay. the drift and actually fix it. But I don't even know if the fixes, uh, like, if those fixes are permanent or if if they're going to have that it's issue. Just an- another, yeah, yeah. I tried to do that one time. How'd it go? uh i didn't get the the kit the kit the like um the kit to send it in the mail i paid i paid for it but i never got it are you kidding me yeah damn that sucks i just bought new ones see yikes i rest my case yeah (laughs) you're right aki i mean uh, yeah i i think the obviously there are issues with the joy cons but I, I still all, all, all that being said, ha- what if having they put a like a 3ds device s- slidey thing in there instead of like joy actual joy? Oh no 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 no! no, no. I, no, no, no. Like <laughs> that will not do. Or just the 3ds little nubby nipple thing that. Oh, that's on the what right I thought you were talking about. That's what I thought you were talking no, about. No 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 no! The, the oh, slidey yeah, disc, yeah, yeah. the I actual regular the little... disc. Yeah no, not that either. No fuck all that noise. <laughs> I, I think. I think I just want a PlayStation Vita, like the same type of style hardware, like solid hardware that you can, that you dock, can dock also. Yeah. Or even, even a Nintendo Switch Lite that you can dock. Yeah. Like I, I like the one sturdy. That device. was a weird decision that the that you can't dock a Switch Lite. And I'm sure I guess that probably was more of a they wanted to get the, the price down. Yeah. I'm sure the the cost down, but okay. I mean they also probably didn't want their switch light to cannibalize their normal switch oh market, yeah 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 you know true mm. how about that bigger screen too well i mean hopefully we get that hardware by the end of the year is what it's like uh just in time for the holiday season yeah cool so the next piece of news we're, we're gonna enter the realm of sony and this is a bit of a weird one guys i'm kind of not sure what to make out of this uh maybe you guys can shed some light but Sony Interactive Entertainment uh, will acquire the Evolution Championship Series, otherwise known as EVO, um, the fighting tournament. Uh, 
as you guys know, they've been uh, Evo has gone through. Uh, obviously, they they couldn't do the uh, the tournament, the fit like in person tournament this year because of the pandemic. Uh, but I believe, and maybe you guys can clarify or Nack, you can clarify. But they, there was some a lot of controversy, um, a lot of um, perhaps uh, disturbing allegations requiring uh, in regards to one of the either founders or promoters i don't know you 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 can um um you can correct me on that but uh yeah it looks like this is this is uh where it ended sony um specifically sony interactive entertainment um has at least partially acquired or i think it, it might be a joint venture but they own evo yeah so there's a lot that I can talk about here. This is because obviously it being a fighting game thing is something that I'm a little bit invested in personally. Um, so to go back to what happened with Evo 2020, um, obviously because of the pandemic, the in-person Evo event in Vegas was canceled. And what they decided to do was uh, it kind of went dark for like a month and I, I think like a month or so, and they didn't really... It just kind of seemed like Evo was just not going to happen. And then they came out and they announced Evo Online, which was going to be a four-game tournament. It was going to be Them's Fighting Herds. Uh, what were the games? Mortal Kombat. I think it might have been Killer Instinct. And one other. I don't remember the games, but it was games with, with very good netcode, um, with rollback netcode, which was very important because in running an online event, they needed to have games that run solid online. And fighting games have notoriously bad gameplay experiences online because of how reaction and frame-to-frame dependent they are on, on inputs getting to the player, to the other player, instantly and, and all that. So it was a whole thing. Um, and it was, I mean, I was really excited that they were going to do this. It was going to bring a lot of attention to that. that um, issue of of fighting games needing better online play so i was stoked for it um a let's see i think like within that week that they announced evo online there were some allegations that came out against one of the founders of evo about some stuff that he had done years beforehand but i read some of the stuff and it's it's ugly ugly uh things that he did um during his time as a event promoter and just member of the community when it was just the arcade scene in southern california um the other two founders of evo the the cannon brothers tom and tony cannon who now work for riot on the riot fighting game that's coming out someday um they basically ousted him from the company he's been completely removed but there was no word on whether evo was going to come back and i'll be honest i thought that was it for evo i thought you know after after the those two blows to evo i really doubted it coming back so i am happy that playstation has that sony has made this purchase i think the question on a lot of people's minds is what does this mean for other games on other platforms? What does this mean for Smash? Smash was a huge... Smash was arguably the biggest game at EVO for a few years. Um, so just to touch on that, um, Sony did put up a statement that they do welcome 
um, other platforms uh, beyond just PlayStation. Um, so I, it looks promising that they're they're still going to keep Smash. I do think we're living in, in a kind of post-console war kind of world now where you see more partnerships between Microsoft and Nintendo. I think Sony has been a little bit more stubborn on that regard, but considering this is like a joint venture and this is a fighting tournament and Smash is so popular, I'm uh, pretty optimistic that it's going to return when whenever the pandemic ends because i don't that online smash is trash and i don't think they're gonna really put it as a as a um as one of the main events while it's still online i have there are no doubts in my mind that sony wants smash at evo if if in-person evo not if but when in-person evo returns sony wants smash there in some capacity whether it's you know it's it's I would say they probably even want Melee. I think the ball is 100% in Nintendo's court, and that is going to be a big negotiation. Because before you even bring the the Sony brand and Sony being in control of this thing into the equation, Nintendo has been notoriously horrendous about supporting a competitive scene for Smash Bros. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I... I think it it makes sense for Sony to just want, you know, the the more big popular games Sony can get at Evo, I think the better. And and yeah, they have said that like Killer Instinct is a game that's only on Xbox and PC. They're probably going to want to run Killer Instinct side tournaments. But they've got to get Microsoft on board for that. Same thing with Nintendo. I think that is such an unlikely scenario for for Nintendo to work with Sony in that in that capacity just based on the fact that just just looking at nintendo's track record with that stuff yeah i mean that's a good point um they didn't think about what nintendo would would want uh especially i mean they've already worked pretty bad with working with the fighting game community um maybe because of these allegations and all the entire smash scene had had its own separate ugly issue about that whole thing and maybe they look at that and they're like no this this may just not be worth it whatsoever on the other hand though they're still um promoting smash and they're still working on smash there's still more dlc coming so having fighting tournament to kind of display this this game while they're still they're still selling you know future uh updates that that could be a boon for them but who knows i have a question it'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes yeah what's up so did Sony acquire Evo to save Evo because after these two big blows? I think they I mean, they probably realized it, at that point they could get it for cheap enough that it was it was worth it for them. I you know, I so Sony I think of the big 3 kind of Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony corporate, you know, video game entities. Sony is the one that definitely has has kind of been the the most uh supportive of the fighting game community they uh had they had a hand in getting street fighter 5 published uh street fighter 5 was console or i think still is console exclusive on ps4 because of the deal that capcom made with sony to to fund that game basically and i don't know what the specific numbers were there but this isn't the first time that sony has dipped their toes into um the fighting game community and stuff and they've always they've always sponsored these events in some way too um so it's not it's not completely uh yeah it's i I don't think it's 
outside the realm of possibility that's that someone at sony or people at sony out of wanting to see the fighting game community continue to to grow and and be what it is looked at evo and said this thing needs to continue let's let's see what we can do but also i mean they wouldn't have done it if they didn't think it was going to be profitable for them so it's it's cool evo is important for for the fighting game community you know um so i'm glad that it will continue to exist yeah and just to cap it off it looks like they are planning on um doing a digital event this year um that'll take place um from august 6th uh, to August 8th and from August 13th to August 15th as an um, open format tournament. So those are like weekends, yeah. two weekends in a row, basically. So yeah, it's going to have Tekken 7, Street Fighter 5, Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, and Guilty Gear Strive. Okay. Hope it goes well for them. Super cool. Uh, other piece of Sony news, uh, real quick, is that they announced some uh, their new next gen. Uh, vr controller specifically uh so this controller is going to have adaptive triggers haptic feedback finger touch detection tracking um and as well as your you know traditional action buttons and analog sticks kind of looks like a lot of those um controllers that came out with the index i think the the, the vive index I, I forgot the name but um it's just uh i Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but currently for the PlayStation VR, the controllers are those move, move PlayStation yeah. ones, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just like these these move controllers that are a lot like kind of like the Wiimotes from back in the day, right? Which they work fine for what they are, but it's lacking like real controllers. Although because you can use the PlayStation controller, it sort of makes up for it a little bit. So I don't know what you guys think. I mean, this is obviously it's going to be a substantial upgrade on the controller front. Um, Sony seems to be the one of the big three that's really all in uh, when it comes to VR. At least they're far more supportive than Nintendo and Microsoft, which so far haven't really shown much interest. So are you guys optimistic about the VR future for consoles or just VR yeah, in general? I, I am. I'm actually waiting for a PSVR like a bundle. Yeah, is there a PS5 VR right now? No, no. Okay, so it's still the old VR. Okay, but which is a perfectly adequate VR, but it is. I mean, even when it came out, it was sort of low tech compared to what was out there. Yeah, but at the price point, I think it. If you had a PS4, there was it was it was unbeatable. The best at the price, yeah, point. yeah. It was like yeah. accessible yeah. as yeah. far as the price point, because otherwise you had yeah. to buy this big old computer. And I do want to add real quick: Sony has said that they are working on a PlayStation Five version of the VR headset, like a next generation update to to the current one. But currently on the market, it's it's the PS. It's the one that was yeah. launched for the PS4, PSVR two. Yes. Yeah. So you so, can you can um, use the PS4 VR headset on a PS5. There's just not a native PS5 one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm stoked, dude. These controllers look cool. Um, I waited to jump into VR. I've, I've, there are two things I'm really waiting for. I think VR is going to be incredible for games. I don't, there, there, there have been some great games that I've played on VR, but nothing that has ever told me, like, signaled to me, like, we are moving into a primarily VR space in games where we're going to be spending more time in VR than, looking at a screen um the two things that i that need to happen for me one is the just the quality of the visuals in the headset had not gotten to the point where i i still see the screen door 
And on some headsets, there was just a little bit of a delay when you're looking around to to the time that it's a little ghosty. It's a little ghosty. Yeah. Um, so I I've I'm hoping that this headset does a better job of handling that. And then the second thing is I'm looking for I know that a lot of people said Half-Life Alex is like that killer app on VR that like that is like, okay, this is video games in VR. I haven't played Half-Life Alex. What I've seen from it, again, you can't you can't really tell based on screenshots or video, but what I've seen from it made it seem like maybe that was a bit of an exaggeration. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I know that VR will be important. I don't think that we're there yet. I hope that the PS5 ends up being that thing that's like, okay, this is what VR gaming is about. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up half-life alex because like that game got a lot of praise um by the gaming media Uh, it sounds like it's an incredible game i also have not played it i'm not sure if more than like 100 people have played that game because it's it's like made for the um for the higher end vr headsets essentially and then even then you also need a pretty beefy uh pc rig to run it properly um so it's it's just an expensive endeavor to to just play that game but it it does say something that that game kind of did come and go like it 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 launched and it was a, like a big uh, it gained a, l- a lot of critical uh, acclaim and then it just kind of disappeared like it did, didn't really make a whole lot of game of the year um type of coverage towards the end uh i, I think vr needs a big moment right like in order to 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 be the f- I don't think it'll be quote unquote the future of gaming, but it could be a big part of it. But it needs a big moment, like an, um, a Mario sixty four type type of moment. And Half Life should be one of those games, and it wasn't. So I, I, maybe Sony has something up their sleeve here, and and they they have a big game ready ready for this. I hope so. Me too. I, I would love that. You know. Um. So. The next piece of news, and we're, we're going into um, Microsoft territory here. Um, let's actually start with the big one. Um, apparently, and this is still ongoing, but nothing is completely of- official. But Microsoft is in to- uh, talks to buy Discord uh, for uh, just a measly $10 billion. That is Jesus. nutty. Okay. Yeah. Baby money. Um, what do you guys think about this? Like, uh, we're on Discord owns, right now. I mean, who I owns Discord? Thing. Is yeah. it is it a? It's just a company, right? It's a tiny yeah, little startup company. doing big things. Um, a couple of people who are about to be filthy rich. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a huge team at this point. But but yeah, I think it's. It probably started out as a Silicon Valley, few dudes. I mean, I hope that I hope that uh, they keep it sort of platform neutral i mean i assume they will it would be insane for them to to mess with the system they have here in meaningful ways and and make it so that servers were limited more than they are now but i don't know it's possible there's been some blowback about like oh (laughs) some uh unsavory elements that are getting blocked out of other places on the internet you know to form discord servers and uh, I'm talking about like uh, white supremacists and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe there'll be more cracking down on that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but I, I mean, I, 
I don't think Microsoft is dumb enough, I guess, or maybe they are dumb enough to to sort <laughs> it of runs mess with in this edge. formula. Is it gonna, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. going to come with Edge. <laughs> oh God, integrated. Yeah, in Edge. You can only load it out of the Microsoft nightmare, Play dude. storefront. <laughs> <laughs> you can't download it separately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't take it off your computer either. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's always there. People are always um, listening. Yeah, I hope there's not a big... Honestly, I hope they just add the icon and then, for the most part, leave it alone. But I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a scary thing. Not scary, necessarily, That's- but... That's Microsoft. a that's a crazy amount of money. Yeah, yeah. If you think about like, th- I mean, think about what that means. Discord must be generating in their Nitro subscriptions, and like, because I don't. Other than that, like, how how is Discord making money, other than selling Nitro subscriptions? You know, like that's a shitload of Nitro subscriptions. If if there's a ten billion dollar price tag on the on the company. Well, I can give you some some numbers here. Uh, uh, yeah, let's let's hear. Them. Uh, Discord has about 140 million monthly users and made 130 million dollars in revenue last year. Uh, although the company isn't yet profitable, its last valuation was seven billion dollars after a funding round in December generated 100 million. Ten billion, though. That's what they so for. It seems like there's a lot of. They're betting on the potential uh, of all those users becoming Microsoft users, paid users. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're probably betting on being able to monetize it in other ways. I mean, they have a tremendous amount of people using it for free. Right. That I'm sure they can, so, like, Xbox is to all these people. Maybe Just put some ads. Put, push some ads to people. Yeah. <laughs> Make, yeah. Get, Implemented it to the other types of premium features, maybe. I don't know. Cosmetic stuff. Discord's pretty fun like pretty customizable and and people who power users would probably be willing to shell out for for all kinds of crazy stuff on their servers so i don't know yeah it it definitely seems like a potentiality kind of bet for microsoft though but i feel like the potential is there i mean discord definitely seems seems like something special to me i mean uh, we use it we're using it right now to record this podcast so So have they been listening so yeah i mean Seem, it, it definitely the potential seems so like microsoft if you're listening love your xbox wireless headset yeah. great stuff great value. uh no, but I, you could send yeah. us some free stuff uh but i do want to stress um and because the, the bloomberg sources do say that the deal is not imminent uh, one person saying discord would be more likely to take itself public than seek acquisition um and also bloomberg sources name epic games and amazon uh as companies that have also held discussions with Discord in the past. And I am quoting an article by The Verge here, um, just for full transparency about the potential uh, purchase. Nothing okay. confirmed just yet. Something to look look at though, something to be aware of. Very interesting. Definitely. Um, the other uh, Microsoft news, and we could probably just touch upon this real quick, uh, is the, uh, the uh, another acquisition of Bethesda uh, has now been uh, fully approved, um, so it's official. Microsoft is the owner of Bethesda. This one went just for a, a insignificant seven point five billion dollars, um, 
And with this, 20 games uh, were put on Game Pass, uh, including Dishonored, uh, the Wolfenstein games, uh, I believe The Evil Within 2, um, Skyrim, Oblivion, uh, Morrowind. Actually, though, the funny part is Doom Eternal, but not Doom 2016 for whatever reason. (laughs) Not. (laughs) Which is the the main one we all want to play. Um, And also some some of the... um, earlier doom games like doom doom 2 doom 3 are all on gay pass yeah. and 64 if, if even. you ever wanted yeah. to play that that banger um yeah. and microsoft has it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing that you see the games that immediately when there's an acquisition like that you're like oh here the here's the benefit from that like immediately right i wonder if they had yeah they might have already been in talks for the for putting those on game pass and then it was like well now that yeah, yeah no, for sure, yeah, because the, this is basically billion. they were rate, uh, waiting on the uh, EU uh, to to approve the the purchase of the European Union. So, um, oh, okay. ever since they gave the go ahead, it be, just became official. Um, so uh, they also Microsoft is basically hinting that yeah, there's going to be some some exclusive uh, Bethesda uh, games. Uh, at least when I say exclusive, it's going to be console exclusive and also on PC. Whether that's Elder Scrolls, um, like Elder Scrolls Six, who knows? Maybe that other one, Starfield, I think is, is what it's called that they're also working on. They could use that since it's a new IP. Um, they they can kind of use it to to enhance their exclusive games, which I think Microsoft needs to do because I think they've fallen behind ever since Halo kind of lost its special place in in gaming. I think they fall behind when it comes to first party games, especially against Nintendo and Sony. Yeah, totally. Uh, but that's all in regards to the the big three, Nintendo, Sony, uh, and Microsoft. Uh, the just last piece of news uh, that we can talk about is the six days in uh, Fallujah gameplay trailer that came out that has been generating quite a bit of controversy. Um, you guys remember the Iraq War? Oh yeah, <laughs> how oh, funny yeah. it was! The what? <laughs> what a good time! The, like laugh a minute. Uh, yeah, yes. So this takes place in um, the siege of Fallujah. Uh, a trailer came out. Uh, the trailer obviously was trying to be very careful of like, hey, these U.S. troops are trying to protect. Um, you know, Iraqi civilians, uh, but it also completely whitewashes the atrocities that that occurred and uh, many atrocities by the u.s military to be clear um we need to point out that it's still pretty unclear how many civilians actually died um in in the war in iraq i've heard lots of estimates like even upwards to like two hundred thousand, but it's we don't really have a set figure because it's it was a very muddy war and it's it's very it's very hard for those things to come out so you know when these type of games come out it's it's like i know that they don't really they they want to kind of play both sides where it's like we want to tell this gritty story about something that's real but we also don't want to politicize it too much which i don't know what you guys think but i don't think you can really have it both ways no yeah they they want to basically take the call of duty thing and they want to be like oh this is the real stuff but then also randomly generate the bad guys and have them be like these nameless people that you just sort of gun down and and don't even consider including um apparently from the gameplay trailer that you can shoot people who may or may not be unarmed through the through the window 
uh, it's just a bizarre situation given that it's like a real place <laughs> and presumably these were you know I mean the you know real life real people in that lived in Fallujah innocent people too um, and then to take it and make it like a randomly generated thing it's sort of like uh, especially when you're trying to take it you're trying to take it to this level of like oh yeah let's make it like gritty and real but it's like doesn't real mean you have to like I mean wouldn't real be like oh shit like you would actually take the consequences of like oh I just shot like a a father who was you know just trying to protect his kids and then running dealing with that I mean obviously I don't know how you make that into a video game but isn't that like gritty and real like wouldn't that be real not not just like call of duty but with like a little more well it's fallujah it's randomly generated fallujah <laughs> that's the the gritty realism part of it yeah I, I i don't know the game that the trailer i didn't watch the whole trailer but what i have seen of the trailer doesn't didn't and maybe maybe the full trailer does somehow get into this i don't know what the actual like run to run loop of the game is because it is being marketed as a roguelike. So it's not just randomly generated. I mean, a lot of times randomly generated is used synonymously with roguelike, but it doesn't have to be right. There are games that are not roguelikes that have random generation, but this is being marketed as a roguelike, you know, randomly procedurally generated game. Um, and like, but like how, what is the overarching loop there? Are you like, it's part of the, it's six days in Fallujah, but I'm curious, why does it have to be randomly generated? Why did they make that choice? You know, because it seems like such a, how did they not foresee this blowback <laughs> backlash that they're experiencing now? I don't know. It's it's such a weird choice. And it does seem like there may have been like a very clever way to make a game like this and have it be about you know, have the random element play a maybe play a bigger narrative role and the idea is maybe you're trying to you know, play out a perfect you know, you're trying to be the good guy, the the good guy in us imperialism and try to play out a perfect run of what that's like. And <laughs> you keep trying to do it. And maybe you realize, Hey, that's probably not even possible or, or, or something like that. So I, I do, yeah, I'm not going to deny there's not like clever ways to do this. Uh, I don't know if this is it, you know, I'm obviously willing to reserve full judgment, uh, but certainly uh, not from what I've seen, that doesn't seem like this is it. So there was also so before this trailer even came out, there was so Rami Ismail has been talking about this game since it first kind of went back into production and uh, was in the public eye again. And um, there's been a lot of talk about how they've the, the, the developers have been very kind of like unwilling to work with Iraqi, the Iraqi people um to make it more not just sensitive but accurate um the instances of arabic in the game are not uh, have been kind of picked apart and shown to be like it's not even accurately translated into arabic um so there's just like a lot of stuff about this that just seems very whitewashed but also just almost like what's the word that uh 
not insensitive. It's it's worse than insensitive. What's the word I'm looking for? Offensive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of me is just like, why didn't, if you're just going to make this game, then just make another Call of Duty. Like, don't name it after a real place and and try to put in all this value in it that's not there necessarily. Yeah. And uh, the, the game, it's it's presented as like a documentary about, with, with interviews of these characters who I'm assuming are fictional characters, but representing people that were there during the siege of fallujah so it'll cut there they look like cg real people if that yeah. makes sense yeah uh sort of sitting there telling their stories about you know what they encountered and things like that but all american soldiers so far that i've seen uh telling their side of the story which is you know fair enough but then don't i mean then don't sort of portray it at again then just make it another call of duty game because that's that's what you're doing right and that's fine you know don't don't call it fallujah don't call it like so no so the i mean i guess they still make games about the vietnam war that don't touch on any of the political stuff wasn't there a call of duty vietnam like a couple of years ago that i don't know if it touched on the political stuff but i mean i i don't know the point of making something about something so recent in people's lives if you're not gonna actually try to make it mean something and you know just just do a fake middle eastern country like call of duty did you know yeah i think this is like it it very unfortunately shows the growing pains of video games as art um i and i want to be clear i do think video games uh, I, I do think they are art um and they can be art but i still think um since it's a fairly nascent um format um it's still developers are still learning how to tackle some of these things like can there be a story about the war can there be a video game about the war in iraq that's uh proper and that tells the actual events in in a truthful manner yeah i mean i i think i think there can be it's just i don't think developers uh at least this developer for 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 certain they haven't learned how to really properly tackle that that issue and that's unfortunate because i think it's it almost makes video game um the the format of video games uh the 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 actual media itself look like they still don't understand how how to actually address these issues yeah and in, in the eyes of people that don't already see video games as art it makes it seem less valid right it makes that the medium of video games seem appear to be less valid in those eyes of uh, in the eyes of those people who who yeah who who are kind of on the outside of video games yeah i mean this sucks and also just like why why even if you're gonna make this you want to make a video game okay sure fine why fallujah why why iraq you can make there's a million different settings you could do that would not be this offensive you know if you're gonna okay we're gonna make a proc gen game make a sci-fi game you know make a fantasy game it doesn't have to be this if you want to do this documentary thing why aren't you just going out there and fucking shooting a documentary you know i don't know it seems like such a weird mix of of ideas and goals yeah, you know it's very unfortunate so i don't know um yeah uh, it sucks yeah oh and i'm sorry i do want to make a correction knack i did meet miss um, your final piece that uh you wanted to touch on that sony is shutting down digital cells on the playstation 3 and Vita, uh, July second of this year. Yeah, very sad. I'm sad about this. Yeah, that sucks. I look. My take on this is the and the reason I put it in here is I just wanted to 
kind of touch on this and, and just get these thoughts out. You may not ever go back to your, you may never dig that PS3 out of storage and, and boot it up and buy a game on the PlayStation network again. But the fact that some of these games are now going to be inaccessible, completely out of, you know, completely unable to be purchased and played fucking sucks. Um, and I saw on Twitter, man, I, I, I wish I could remember who, who said this, but it's, it's like, imagine if you wanted to watch Grumpy Old Men, but you had to install the Universal Pictures BIOS on your computer and download an illegal copy of the movie. That's, that's like, the, the, that's like the, the realm of what we're, we're talking about. Like These games are, are so difficult to play 20 in some cases 10 20 years later when movies are just movies you just watch a movie right if you as long as you have it on whatever the current format is which doesn't change that fast when you compare it to video game formats or generations of video games you can always go and watch movies from 100 years ago right but video games are so are are being maybe not intentionally but these actions that are being taken by these companies make it so that playing these video games years later is in some cases legally impossible and even if you manage to do it through emulation or other means that are i guess legal or or uh you know whatever you want to call it it's difficult it's it's hard to get the hardware needed in some cases and to get the perfect emulation it just it's sad it's it's something that as as people who you know it's video games is the the biggest part of my life in terms of what i like to consume and think about and and create and for so so many of those games that a lot of people look back on and and a lot of people could learn from for them to just you just can't play them it's that's so so shitty so that's why i wanted to i just wanted to kind of kind of get on a soapbox about that um that's why i threw that in here this is another uh the same thing happened when the wii uh eShop went was taken offline a few years ago um and it's just like there, there are games on there I, I will always bring this up because this is a huge deal for me sin and punishment is one of my favorite games of all time there's no legal way for me to play that game and even when I figured out ways to play it through other means, it's not perfect. It's it's not ideal. And I would gladly pay money to Nintendo to be able to play that game, but it's just not an option. So that shit sucks. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts to add to that, but I just wanted to put that in there. I also was sad. It's just, I feel like it's just part of the brave new world of digital digital ownership, right? Yeah. You can still bust out your your... I still have my Wii and I can bust out my Wii and play games on my Wii that I own physically, you know, uh, but with digitally purchased games that may not necessarily be true. And, you know, you get the convenience of it, but yeah, there's this, that aspect of it that, that it might just disappear or at least not be available in the same way forever. Yeah. Sort of depending on what the public, what the storefront owner decides to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have too, um, too much to add other than um you know but 
video game preservation is important. Again, it's one one of those other things, right? Like if you truly consider video games as art and you you want to push that, then art the whole thing about art is that it must be preserved, right? And it must be accessible uh, for for people to to value it. And um, there's there's a problem with video games. I, I don't want to say like movies um, were uh, are, are completely. Um, um, what am I trying to say? I think it has been an issue with movies as well, right? Like with, when it comes to like the Disney vault and stuff like that. Sure. But you're yeah. right. Like in terms of it, it's just far easier yeah. uh, to to find an old movie than it is to, to find an old video game. And a lot of that is because some developers and some publishers are still exas- exacerbating the problem, like Nintendo. Like there's an, you can get a Nintendo Wii U and play almost every Zelda game. And then you can get a Nintendo Switch and not have access to some of those Zelda games uh, because of the of, of what it would, the di- difference in, in their storefront. So yep. that's a shame. And I think it, it needs to be addressed at some point. Maybe we can turn the games into NFTs. And oh my them God. Forever. Now you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and I think that's all we've got for news. Yes. So with that, um, we'll call it a day here. Thank you guys for joining me, Gus. Thank you so much for hanging out today. Thank you, Nick. Daniel, thanks for coming by. Thank you so much. And it, for coming to my closet. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. And Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. We had a good time having you on. Thank you so much. And to all of you listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next month for another episode of Fuck, I Forgot to Save. See you then.